Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. Well, let's do this. Let's uh, turn in our Bibles, if you would, over to... um, uh, we've been declaring Psalms 91, and I'm, I'm not going to do that this morning uh, just because I want to get through some of this, and, and I want to be done on time because sometimes I've been known to be long-winded, um, but uh, uh, I don't know any preacher that isn't for the most part. Um, but anyway, let's go over. I want to I continue in our series called The Secret Place, and we're doing The Secret Place Part 7, and I want to go over uh, and turn over in our Bibles to James chapter 1, and we talked last week about counting it all joy. We didn't get into all of it, but we talked about counting it all joy. And probably through this, I'm going to go ahead and hit on uh, different things as far as um, the you know current state of fear and different things like that. And I may turn to some scriptures that I don't have in my notes to kind of give some explanation um, if the Lord leads me to about the situations that we're in, but we are in faith right now and we are counting all things joy. I'm going to turn over to James one here and this is something and read through it here and then I'll go to my introduction. But, uh, James is in between Hebrews and first Peter and, uh, we are counting it all joy because the Lord told us, and we saw this in James, uh, as I was praying for the church, the Lord impressed this upon me that, um, that if we want to get through this as a church and come out spotless on the other side, we have to count it all joy. If we don't, we're, we're not exercising our faith. If we don't exercise our faith, it's just like your muscles. They won't get any stronger. Uh, you can maintain your muscles by walking and things like that and obviously just doing day-to-day stuff. But if you want to be, have some level of greater strength, you have to exercise them. Um, and, and cause some resistance that causes healing and growth. And so um, James chapter 1, verse number 1 says, James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad. And then he says, greetings. Now we saw this last week. The reason why they're scattered abroad is because of persecution. They were going through trials and tribulations. They're not scattered abroad because they all moved to rural neighborhoods. They're scattered abroad because the, the, the current government of that day where they were and the current uh, religious groups of that day were persecuting the early church, which um, is not uncommon today. Now, it's been a little more uncommon in America, but even that is trying to take place even now. I know uh, recently um, I saw an article uh, in the news or something on the news about that if churches in New York don't abide by their rule of shutting everything down, then they're going to shut them down permanently. Well, that goes directly contrary to the Constitution. We have the right to assemble. We have the right to to meet. And um, that can't be taken away for any reason, actually. Um, but, But there's persecution that's going on. And there's things taking place that shouldn't be taking place. And um, he, he tells them something in verse 2. He says, my brother, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. And I, I love those verses because it gives us the formula on how to overcome. 
Now, let's pray real quick and we'll believe God. Father, we just give you the glory for this word. We ask you to minister to us. Lord, as we apply your word, we thank you for your goodness and your mercy. We thank you, Lord, that you are faithful and that you are watching over your word to perform it in our lives. Give me utterance in the Holy Spirit. I will speak your truth uh, in love, Lord, today in Jesus' name. Amen. So what we've been looking at in previous sessions was this. We talked about in Mark 3, 14. You go back to the website and catch up on these, faithfamilybillings.com. You can also, um, uh, if you want to see the videos, they're available there as well under the sermons tab. Um, I think, like I said, we're on part seven, so there are six other messages available. But we saw in Mark three fourteen where the Lord has called us to be with him first before anything else. When we're with him, we have fellowship. We looked in Psalms 91, verse by verse. We went down through that. Next, we moved into the principle of fellow, principles of fellowship, which, we, which is where we are right now. We started by looking at James 4, where we are instructed to draw near to God, and He will draw near to us. The level of fellowship that we enjoy with the Lord is dependent on us, not on Him. It is dependent on our faith, not on the Lord. The Lord has done everything he's going to do to get as close to us as he possibly can. And so um, uh, uh, we need to draw near to him. And as we do that, then the statements in Psalms 91 don't seem so crazy. From here, we have moved into how to maintain close fellowship in the midst of trials, which is found, which is what we we're just read, reading here in, in James chapter 1. Before we turn uh, or look in detail at that scripture, I'd just like to remind you of a few things the Lord had spoken to us before concerning this message. Psalms 91 is a bold statement of faith. These kinds of bold statements are only made and seen from a person who has an intimate fellowship with their Lord. The strongest levels of faith and love come through those who have the closest relationship with God. The strongest levels of faith and love come through those who have the closest relationship with God. And the, let me say this again, and I need you to hear this. That level of intimacy is dependent on us, not on Him. He has already broken down all the things that could have separated us from him, the only thing that he has left in place that can separate us from him is our free will. That's it. And if you want to know more about the free will, you can go back to the website and listen to the series we just did on free will. But as a Christian, if you maintain distance between you and the Lord, as a nominal believer who basically doesn't go beyond this statement, I will go to heaven when I die, then these types of declarations will seem out of reach and to some arrogant. You say, what declarations? The ones in Psalms 91. And you say, why would that be? Because you're living so far away from the Lord in your day-to-day -day life that it just seems like pie in the sky, uh, hocus-pocus, uh, magical, whatever. You're just hoping it'll be that way. And then Christians will do this. I know many of them who have 
through the years. I've been around a few denominations, different groups. And, and really, it has nothing to do with denomination. It has, faith, it has to do with the faith in the individual's heart and their relationship with the Lord. But they'll, say, they'll make statements to churches like ours where we actually believe God heals today. We actually believe God has the power to deliver people from methamphetamines, from addictions to pornography, pornography from addictions to uh, food. It doesn't matter what it is. We believe God can heal diseases. We believe God does heal the d- diseases that he has and he is today. Um, we believe that God protects us. We're called crazy but really, the reason why people that, are, that say they are believers don't believe these things is because they live so distant from the Lord. If you yielded to the Word of God and yielded to the Spirit of God, it wouldn't seem out of reach. In fact, you read these words and you're open, your heart's open to them and you ignore the preacher that told you it wasn't for today. And you just open your heart to the scriptures and let the Lord speak to you by the Holy Spirit through the word. Faith will come into your heart and you'll be a person who joins the group that's called crazy. (laughs) Which is a good group. I like my group. We're a good group. (laughs) You should join today. So, you know, like those infomercials. Buy now. Buy now. Order now. Order now. You know, (laughs) you should do that. Um, Get in. Get into the whole word. Don't just be stuck out in wonderingville and I don't know what's going to happenville and all those things. We know in whom we have believed, Paul declares. And so we don't have to be afraid. So in close, we're talking about fellowship or principles of fellowship. So in close fellowship with the Lord, the statements that David made in Psalms 91 won't seem crazy. You can go ahead and declare over your kids, no plague shall come near my dwelling. You can go, go ahead and declare over you and yours, and we do here in our church. Um, uh, and if you want to be a part of it, you want to join this one. But we use our faith for the people. and We use our faith in this situation. We say, we, we declare over the church, a thousand may fall at our side and ten thousand at our right hand, but it shall not come near us. We angels and camp round about us and protect us everywhere we go. Yesterday, I had to go to Walmart. I went to Walmart, and I was uh, looking for some things that I needed. And, and they, they set up a, one place to go in, and, and it's the same door, and one place to go out. And they had a you know, cone set up and ropes, and there was only 900 people could be in the store at once. And I'm not against, if you're wearing a mask and gloves, God bless you, fine. If that's where you're at, great. But I didn't. I didn't walk through Walmart terrified that I was going to catch COVID-19 and die. First of all, you're not going to scare me with heaven. Okay. Um, Second of all, the Lord said, no plague shall come near my dwelling. You say, that's that's arrogant. No, it's faith. I want to challenge you with this thought. If the Lord says that, that in his promise to you and to me, and we reject what he says, who's the arrogant one? You need to ask yourself that question. You need to settle that within you. If I'm arrogant and I'm saying what God said, what are you? See, I think what you're saying is, and you're speaking from, you don't even realize it because you're deceived in this. Because the enemy, any time that you go against the word of God, you're deceived. But what you don't realize is you're speaking from your fear. You have fear locked up inside you. You, you, It's in there. You have an abundance of it. In fact, it's built up over years. And you need to wash that out with the washing of the water of the word of God. You know, it's just like you pour, if you've ever had a little bit of milk in the bottom of a glass, and then you turn the water on in the sink, and you put that down in the sink, and you run that water inside that cup. At first, 
it's really milky water coming out over the top. But over time, as you continue to run that water, that milk goes all the way gone, all residue of it. And excuse me, that's exactly how it works with the word of God. The more you put in you, the less fear can stay. It just, the water of the word fills you and fills you and overflows you until you're just with, you're walking around with crazy Jesus, crazy Paul, and crazy David. You're running around going, we are redeemed, we are saved, we are healed, we are delivered. And people say, you're saying you're not going to die? No, when I do die, when I'm finished with my course, when I've lived a long, satisfied life, According and being shown the fullness of salvation that I can experience on this side of heaven, I will throw this body off and go right to be with Jesus. I'm going to fly away with an angel and go through all the atmospheres, I don't even know what all of them are, right into heaven and into the and head toward the throne of God and be with all my brothers and sisters and my family members uh, personally that have gone on before me, but my brothers and sisters, fathers and mothers in Christ, that I'm the true family, that that's my true family. That's where I'm headed when this is all said and done. See, you get that in you strong enough, you will not fear death. Guys, listen to me. Listen to the Holy Spirit right now. Stop watching the news media. They are dumping fear in people by the bucket load. And people say, well, well, I'm just afraid. In Christ, you don't have to be afraid. Well, I just, I've struggled with this fear for years. Feed on Psalms 91. Well, I just wish it wasn't this way. Guys, Wishing it wasn't this way is going to do you no good. You need to get in the word and get in faith. And transfer that faith onto your kids. And teach them how to transfer it to their kids. We're going to be 10 years down the road from now and be stronger than we've ever been. No matter what the condition of the United States or the world is. Because we have the resurrection within us. You say, preacher, you seem convinced. I'm 23 years convinced. You know, I never wake up at night. Even though we're on a shelter quarantine, whatever. I never do. I go to bed and I'm gone. It's, it's over till that alarm goes off. I'm gone. Why? I don't have a care. Well, what if everything goes under? I got to go back to the tithe and offering message. I've learned in all states how to be content in Jesus. Here's the one thing that I want to tell you. I even read it this morning in my reading in Luke, I believe it was, our Bible reading, our Bible reading program, which if you don't have one, you can go to our website. We have it there. You can download it, faithfamilybillings.com. Um, but in the Bible reading, Jesus said, when all these things are taking place, don't let your heart be troubled. The Lord's not asking you to do something that you can't do. Exercise your faith. You can do it. He's asking you, and then in that word is the faith and the power to do it. So you just need to say, Lord, I depend on your power to take care of this situation right now. 
and, and depend on him and lean on him. You know, in, the, in Revelation, it says that in the end days, the last times, which were in the end days, we've been in end times since Jesus left. I'm just looking for him to come back. Um, but the Lord said this, he said in revelation, he said, men's hearts will fail them for fear. I wonder how many deaths from COVID-19 are really just due to fear more than anything. It's something to think about, something to meditate on. Men's hearts will fail them. Jesus didn't say because of disease. He said, because of fear. See, our hearts are strong because they're in peace. They don't fail because of fear. They're strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. So that being said, and those words being said, um, close fellowship with the Lord produces an unreasonable confidence and boldness that most of the church does not understand. The world for sure. I understand that with the world. If you're not saved, I understand. Okay. I get it why you don't understand the boldness, the confidence. But you would if you gave your life to the Lord. And then those in the church, if you'd truly submit to the full word and counsel of the word of God, you would understand it. You wouldn't just call me arrogant. You wouldn't just call me crazy. You wouldn't call people that believe the word crazy. You would realize, hey, that is my father speaking through the word to me. So in other words, the religious church will call you arrogant and the world will call you crazy when you walk close to God. That's what that boils down to. So in James chapter 1, we see this, count it all joy. And I'm not going to go over that portion again because we already have. That was verse 2. I'm going to skip down to verse 3. Um, and, uh, and, and in the second part here where it talks about, verse 3, it says, Knowing this, that the testing of your faith produces patience. So verse 2 says, count it all joy. And we looked at that last week. If you want detail on that, you can watch last week's message. But he says this, verse 3, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. So when you fall into various uh, trials and diverse temptations or various categories of trials, know this, that um, the testing of your faith produces patience. Knowledge, and so this is this is his first word here, because it says knowing that, knowing that the testing of your faith, knowledge is the key to all success in times of pressure. Now, I'm going to say this because people will so quickly agree, and we talked about this a little bit last week, but people say, yeah, you've got to use wisdom. And what they mean is they're afraid, and they're just going to do everything everybody in the natural tells them to do. That is not the knowledge that we're to ultimately follow. We're to ultimately follow the knowledge of God. Now, God may tell you, yes, wear a mask to the store today, wear gloves to the store today. I don't know. I don't know what he's going to tell you because I don't know where your faith level is. And really, this is what it boils down to. You know, sometimes people say, well, should I take the flu shot or should I not? Well, I can just tell you this. When I went to Rama, Brother Hagen was uh, still alive then, and he taught some of our classes, and he never took a flu shot. In fact, his answer was Psalms 91 is my flu shot. But yet Brother Hagen's wife got a flu shot, and he never condemned her. She followed what the doctor told her to do. You say, what's the answer, preacher? Know God. That's the answer. Well, I, I, just, I just haven't known him. I know, you've got to quit all your other hobbies and all your favorite TV shows and shut those things off and fellowship with the Lord and get in your Bible. Well, I go to a church and they've never told me that. Well, they told you wrong. They taught you wrong. 
You need to study. You need to feed on the word of God. That's why we have all of our messages on the website and they're free. You can download them, share them. Uh, there's a podcast. They're all free. Why? Because Christians need to feed their faith on the word of God. And in that, then the Holy Spirit will prompt you. I hear brothers and sisters of mine and in Christ and moms and dads in the faith in this church say things to me all the time. And I'm like, that's the leading of the Holy Spirit. That's the leading of the Holy Spirit. That's the leading. And it's simple things like it just seemed like a good idea to go ahead and do this. And what do I know about that person? I know that person that has developed a sensitivity in their relationship to the Lord where the Lord can go, hey, you need to do this right now. And they just go, Oh, that's God. And it's not loud. It's not earth-shaking. It's not an audible voice. I'm not saying God can't speak that way. But primarily, it's intimacy with the Lord. So what do they do? In the middle of tests and trials, they have knowledge that is heavenly, and they function out of that knowledge. And look what it says. It says that this that knowledge is always the route to deliverance from any and all of Satan's pressures in the world. We see this in Philippians 4, 11 and 12. You can read that later. Or 2 Corinthians 5, 6. What we learn is the basis for counting or concluding joy in trials. Knowledge gives us the ability to have a perspective that is opposite of what the news media is telling us. People say, what if the, you know, for years, guys, think about it. How many different things has the news media tried to prognosticate over the planet? Remember, I was around when Al Gore was vice president and we were only supposed to live another 12 years. I'm still here. We're still here. And now they have a. the next person that's picked up the drumbeat and the, and the march for that is uh, uh, AOC. She's, now, now, we, we, now we only have 12 years. Well, you lied to me last time about the last 12 years. Why am I going to listen to you this time? I'm not. I'm not. I'm going to listen to the Lord. And people sometimes say, they say, oh, you know, leadership and government would never deceive anybody. Huh. Let's go to Luke. And here's where we segue out of what I'm teaching right now. (laughs) Because I want you to see this. Luke chapter 20. This was in my my devotion time two days ago. Uh, Actually, yesterday, April 4th. And I want you to see this. Luke chapter 20. Remember, this is, and, and the context of this is that Jesus is dealing with the Pharisees. And uh, basically, he just majorly rebuked the religious leaders of his day. He told a parable, and it was directly to them. He just didn't use their names. Um, But they knew it was about them, which tells me that they saw that level of truth. So if they didn't repent, it could be held against them in Judgment Day, just as an FYI. But anyway, um, he goes through this whole thing. And people, you know, sometimes people say, say, oh, no, you know, God would never do such and such to, or the government, I shouldn't say God, the government would never do such and such to the people. Uh, You know, the government would never uh, do this. Uh, Those that are in authority, they would never try and uh, take away our freedoms here in America or do something to deceive the people. 
Really? Luke chapter 20. For all of you that are about to call me a conspiracy theorist, hear that the disciples were conspiracy theorists too before you. So if you believe in John 3.16, you can't deny this one either. Because you can't pick and choose which parts of the Bible you like and just apply them willy-nilly the way you like, you know? And that is Greek, willy-nilly, just so you know. Anyway, (laughs) Um, Luke chapter 20, verse 20, it says this, and the title here is the Pharisees. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar? Which really this first part doesn't really have much to do with it other than they're trying to trap him in his words. Verse 20, so they watched him. Who watched who? The Pharisees, the religious leaders watched Jesus and sent spies who pretended to be righteous that they might seize on his words, watch this, in order to deliver him to the power and the authority of the governor. In other words, there has always been the spirit of Antichrist in the earth since Adam and Eve sinned. And if Jesus had to deal with crooked politicians, crooked governors, crooked religious leaders, we are going to too. You say, preacher, what's this got to do with knowledge? If you can have understanding, but you better have the Holy Ghost. Because if you don't have the Holy Spirit operating and leading and guiding you, the news media could be taking you on a tangent that isn't even real. People say, oh, that would never happen. Are you kidding me? Do you think that I'm going to trust, and hear me out, a news group that for the most part, I know not every one of them is this way, but the majority of them are pro-murder of babies? Why would I think that any politician? Any governor, I don't care which president has ever come through. Why would I ever trust somebody to save my life that will vote to murder babies? Come on, we got to take the blinders off, guys. We got to realize where we're at. I will never put my trust in a person who's willing to vote in legislation that allows a doctor, first of all, to to perform an abortion in the first place, but then secondly, to go ahead and kill, finish off a baby in a botched abortion. I will never put my trust in those people. And everybody within the sound of my voice better not put their trust in them either. Because if they'll kill a baby, they'll kill you. And people say, well, that's just a fear tactic. No. Do some study on socialized medicine in other nations. Do do a little research on Italy and those places where those that are much older... And they're, they've lived longer. They're just going to let them die because they're trying to save the younger. Guys, if they start doing, if they'll, if they'll legalize abortion here, why won't they let people die later? At what point do we stop valuing what God gave us in life? And all of a sudden, we're going to throw all of our trust into the government uh, because we're because people are afraid that they're going to die after they've been killing millions of babies for years? I don't think so. 
It's not going to happen. Not with me anyway. You can choose to do what you want. So knowledge is important in the middle of this because it gives us understanding. And you say, yeah, but there's so much prophecies out there. There's so much preaching. I know. I actually had the Lord tell me this. I'm okay with looking at true prophets and ministers, and I do. And I've read through uh, some of their things, and people have sent me stuff, and I've looked at as much as I can. But ultimately, guys, I go back to the word and prayer every single time. Why? Well, I'm not a prophet to the whole world. I'm a pastor in Billings, Montana. That's my jurisdiction at this point. I mean, it may go bigger later. I don't know. It's not my choice. It's God's. But I have a responsibility to hear from God for here and for the sheep that are here. And so that's what we're doing. Go back and pray. If you find yourself getting fearful, if you find yourself getting uneasy, go into the word. Get knowledge. Okay? Knowledge, um, knowledge is the key to success. So, knowledge is a key. And he says this in verse 4. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So, if we're going to get through this, we need to exercise knowledge. And then, in the midst of us exercising this knowledge, counting it joy, functioning in the Word of God, day by day speaking the Word of God, living in faith, living in joy, laughing and rejoicing and enjoying our salvation and enjoying our, uh, 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 enjoying our fellowship with our family and friends and stuff like that. Um, if we're going to continue to operate in these things, there's a key ingredient here where I feel like, and, and, and James deals with it, where most people derail. I know in my life this has been the one thing that I've had to watch the strongest, and it's exercising patience. Exercising patience. Uh, the Bible says that we inherit the promises of God through faith and patience. And I heard uh, a minister, Keith Moore, say this. He said this. He said, you really have no more faith than you do patience. And I thought, man, that is so good, so true. Patience, okay? Patience is what is being tried right now. That's what's being tested. Um, You know, uh, people sometimes, you know, they're posting those different memes, which I think are hilarious. Um, You know, uh, Little Debbie and then 14 days of quarantine and Big Deborah, you know. <laughs> if you're named Debbie, please don't take it personally. It's not personal. But it's the snack cakes thing, the little Debbie. And then she was quarantined for 14 days, so now she's Big Deborah. But anyway, I think that stuff is hilarious, okay, because it is. But, you know, you don't have to overeat just because you're in quarantine. And nor do you have to stop walking. <laughs> You don't, you don't have to, uh, you can, you can still run outside, you know, it's still possible to ride your bike, um, you know, things like that. You know, if you really want to get some exercise, you know, no, I'm not going to say that I could get in trouble for saying that. So I already got kicked off YouTube once, so I don't want to get kicked off again. (laughs) No, but I mean, if you want to get exercise, you know, Um, you can do what I've seen some kids do on Facebook. You know, they were both riding their bikes and one of them was roping the other. You know, just don't jerk on the cord uh, while the other's riding their bike because that would hurt them. So, but you can, you can get some exercise some way. You don't have to just stay inside. You know, sometimes people are like, well, I don't know what else to do. And all you've done is watch show after show after show. Turn that off and let your brain work. Read a book. People say, well, I just have a hard time concentrating. That's because you're used to reading Facebook. 
you're used to reading social media. If you, if you get out of the 30-second blips of TV and get into reading, your brain will start to function and feel less cobwebby. That's not a word, but it's a word. So you'll break out of those things. Stability and patience, working through day to day, is something that we can do as believers because we actually have the fruit of the Spirit in us, which is patience. So knowing this, that the trying, and that word trying means the testing for the purpose of approval. So James says the testing of your faith, knowing that the trying of your faith produces patience. This is, again, back in verse 3. I know I jumped ahead a little bit there. But the trying of your faith. What does that mean? The testing of your faith. The word is testing for the purpose of approval. God doesn't test your faith or allow your faith to be tested while you're here to, for disapproval. He allows it for approval. He says this, it works on the, from the inside out. It works and that word worketh or works means working from the inside out. The testing of your faith, the trying of your faith is a working from the inside out. And what is being worked? Your patience. So if all I ever do as a weightlifter is work my biceps, how big will they be? How many have ever seen somebody uh, who only does upper body workouts and they never do lower body workouts and they're this massive human with these tiny little chicken legs. Now I come by my, by my chicken legs, honestly, it's genetic. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I tried to lift weights and just, yeah, anyway, but genetically speaking, if you lift in one area, it becomes stronger. What's, what's James saying here? I keep wanting to say Paul, but it's James. What's James saying here? He's saying, look, if you work your patience from the inside out, in other words, stop looking for your circumstances to be perfect to use your patience or as a source of your patience. Your circumstances are not what gives you patience. You were given patience when you were born again. Use it. Work it. Practice it. Patience is stability in the crisis. Stability is the theme, and we're not going to get into those next verses, but stability is the theme of the next verses in 5 through 8, which holds us through trials and adversity and brings us deliverance. The opposite is true for the double-minded and unstable man who receives nothing. God desires patience to be produced in trials. It glorifies God and frustrates Satan's plans to destroy our faith. Romans 5.3 teaches the principle of patience being worked out through trials and testings. Patience is the product of the application of the word of God to experience. Patience is the product of the application of the word of God to experience. This is not gritting teeth with endurance to the end. Patience is the outward expression of trust in God's word and rest in his promises. It is the outward, patience is the outward expression of trust in God's word and rest in his promises. So, going on to verse 4. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. But let patience have her perfect Mature, complete, 
self-sustaining, without deficiency work. If patience is allowed to run its course during persecution, it will produce something in the believer's life. It will produce perfect and entire. Entire means undamaged. You know, people run around. Believers even run around and say, I'm damaged material. Not if you're in Christ. You're not damaged. You're undamaged. People say, well, yeah, but I have these issues. Well, you may have issues in the soul, which is understandable because our minds are to be renewed after we're saved. But in your spirit, you are undamaged. In your soul, your mind, will, and emotions, you can be damaged. But the word heals those things, delivers the soul, renews the soul, and transforms the mind. It will produce, it produces a place of undamaged. In it, word, the word means, which is perfect, and it means entire or perfect. It means whole and wholeness, maturity, soundness. This means we will not only come through the problem with more maturity, but with each part of our lives intact and undamaged. That's, where, that's how we're coming through at Faith Family Church. We're coming through intact and undamaged, praise the Lord. God's seeing us through. And then at the end it says, wanting nothing. That means being deficient in no area. People say, well, I lost my job. Count it all joy, my brethren, whenever you fall into various trials. And, and I know this because we're so emotional in our thinking. People go, well, that's just mean. No, no, it's scripture. And you're going to have to make a decision within yourself whether you're going to yield to scripture or yield to how you feel. You can choose to get mad at me. You can get mad at the government. You can get mad at the president. You can get mad at the House and the Senate. You can get mad at all the governors that are through the states. You can get mad at your employer. You can get bitter, upset, and angry, and it will affect you, nobody else. And at the end of this trial, you won't end up perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If you've lost your job, do what you can in the natural to supplement that income. People say, well, I'll only, I'll only work one job. I'd find a job anywhere if you lost your job and do something. Even if it's temporary until your employment opens back up, I'd do something. I wouldn't just sit around. I'd find all the essential jobs and start applying and start working. Find work. I don't care what I did. I don't care if it's Uber. You do something. Deliver food. I don't care. Do something. And then in the midst of that, believe God and you'll come out better in the end. And you say, how can you say that? I didn't say it. I'm not making the promise. God is. Is he trustworthy? Okay, some of you got the answer there, so praise God. Go with it. Don't quit. Be patient. Use your patience. The Greek in of verse 4 translates, but let patience keep on possessing her fully mature production that you may be mature and undamaged in all areas of life, being deficient in none of these areas. The end result of God's word in our lives is self-sufficiency. So we no longer need to help the help of other believers, but we but can actually be of assistance to those who are not mature or self-sustaining. Wouldn't it be nice that 10 years from now, as you walk with the Lord, another tragedy trial hits, whatever it is, seems like we've hit a, a some sort of virus or pandemic or whatever you want to call it about every election year. So... Um, wouldn't it be nice if you were in a place where you could help somebody else financially? 
Because you were responsible with what you... I just heard a testimony early before church today about people that are able to do that. Why? Because they've been responsible and follow God's principles with their money. And, and they've been faithful to the Lord and the Lord's been able to open up those windows of heaven over them to be able to bless them. That is a, that is a viable thing. And somebody's saying, could you give me their number? No, I won't. You have God's number. Call God. He will bring you somebody. He will bring you somebody. Amen? And, and so praise God that he is faithful to us. So I'm going to skip on down. Let's go over to, um, I want to end with this today. We're going to wrap it up right now. But I want to end with this. Psalms 46.10. And the title of this particular one is Be Still or Make Yourself Still. Be Still or Make Yourself Still. This is part of fellowship. So we're going to exercise joy. We're going to get knowledge from the word of God. We're going to filter everything we hear from the world, whether it be from our doctors, from our president, from our all these groups that are speaking. I don't care who it is, the financial world, all of it. We're going to filter it through the word of God and through fellowship with the Holy Spirit and with the Lord. We're going to be patient. We're going to continue to work our patience. And at the end of this, we're going to continue to declare and we will see. I'm telling you, this church is going to see. And if you join in, you'll see it too because it's the promise of the word of God we are coming out perfect and complete lacking nothing lacking no thing we're going to increase and increase and increase you say how can you say that because we have sown financially and sown the word and sown things for years you don't think God's in heaven going no I don't like that Sean down there that guy he's Nope, not going to help him. I don't care if he obeyed my word. That is not God. The devil is a liar. Jesus is coming through. Angels are moving now. The word of God is moving. I'll just declare this in the name of Jesus. The hosts of heaven are moving in Washington, D.C. They are moving right now. And I know you don't see it yet, but I'm telling you, those that are pretending to be righteous, according to Luke 20, 20, that I just read a little bit ago, they're going to be exposed. So I hope they repent soon. Oh, you're a doom and gloom preacher. No, I just preach the truth in love. You can do with what you want with it. It's only doom and gloom to those who refuse to repent. To the rest, it's joy unspeakable and full of glory. And that's what we're going to have, praise God. So, um, we're going to be in that place of patience. And we're going to see perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So let's wrap this up here in Psalms 46.10. Psalms 46.10. Be still or make yourself still. Psalms 46.10 says this. Be still and know that I am God. Look what he says. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. You know, a, a father in the faith to me, a, a man of God, man I consider a past, my pastor, is uh, Larry Phelan out in uh, Dickinson, North Dakota. Breakforth Bible Church. If you want to look them up online, you can Google them, Breakforth Bible Church. Um, and uh, they have several churches. If you're in that area on the eastern side of Montana or the western side of North Dakota, they're going to town over there. Great people. Uh, good, solid churches. Uh, many good pastors. Great pastors. Men of God. Men and women of God. But uh, he said he felt like the beginning of this year that the Lord gave him a word that worship was key. And I found it interesting. And even out of that, I think some of this message was developed in the fact that intimacy with the Lord has to come, one main way is worship. 
You say, worship, what's that got to do with that verse? Look at it again. Be still and know that I am God. And then he says this. The Lord says, I will be exalted. Exalting God is worship. You know, if you're in a really hard spot, you man, you just feel frustrated and don't know what to do. If you just stop in the middle of that, no matter what you feel, and just say, Lord, I just worship you. I honor you. I exalt you over this situation. You know, the scripture, David said, oh, magnify the Lord with me. And when you do that, you worship, you magnify the Lord. And it changes your perspective on your situation. He says, God says this, I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. This church is where the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is headed. We are going to see harvest and harvest and increase and increase mounting to the Lord's return to the earth. We're going to see it. And the wonderful thing about this is it's going to be, it's going to be amazingly outside of our minds, spectacular, glorious, outside of our imagination's ability to comprehend what's taking place and what will take place. And even in the midst of this, this is what we need to realize, church. Persecution will happen in the midst of it. So that's why this is such a great opportunity to develop some strength. To develop some strength. Develop your God-given resurrection DNA inside of you. Work it. Why? Because in the midst of this, as you take time with the Lord and fellowship with Him, be still and know that He is God. He is God. He is God over the nations, and He is God over all creation. And people say, well, you think He's in control of everything. No, I think He's given man free will and jurisdiction over the planet. In fact, I know it from Scripture. But I will say this. Ultimately, He will rule and reign the entire universe, and no one will be able to dethrone Him ever. So get in now while you still can. So He says this. To be still is this. It means to slacken, to cease, to be idle, to let alone, to relax, to withdraw, and to be quiet. To relax, to withdraw, to be quiet. You know, you can take time. In fact, I just sense this in my heart. You, just, you can take time. I, I, I just hear the words coming up out of my heart that the Lord, He longs for you to fellowship with Him. People say, how can you say that? He sent His only Son so that you could. Draw away. Be quiet. Withdraw. Relax. Now, when it's time to go to work, don't look at your boss and go, I found a scripture from the preacher today, and he said I was supposed to draw away and relax, so I'm going to go home. That's not what the Lord's talking about. Don't be, too, don't be goofy spiritual. When you have your own time, set boundaries, set standard time. Get quiet with the Lord. Don't talk. Just be quiet. Be still. Peace. Be still. And what will happen is, as you learn to keep your mind focused, your, your mind will try and wander off. And this is where praying in the Holy Spirit is very important, praying in other tongues. Take time, be quiet. And as you do, 
the Lord will fill you. You'll, you'll sense it. His peace will just start rolling around inside you on your insides, through your mind, through your body, and peace will come to you. And you can fellowship with the Lord. So be still and know. It means to observe. It means to know by experience. I dare you this week, know and experience the Holy Spirit in the presence of God. Take time. Be quiet with Him. So I see something very powerful powerful here. When we stop ourselves, we place ourselves in a place of stillness with God, a place of quiet. Withdraw where we become idle and abandon everything but drawing near to Him. From this place comes the glorious experience of knowledge or revelation of God in our lives. So let's tie this back to Psalms 91. Remember, we had said previously that close fellowship with God will cause a person to declare unreasonable and radical statements with boldness and confidence that to the unsaved seem insane and to the carnal believer seem arrogant, but to the one who dwells in the secret place of fellowship and fellowships with God in stillness is reasonable expectation from the place of revelation. So the question becomes, how can you adjust your life to be still with God? In addition, realize that when you are still and drawing near to God, it will be the Holy Spirit who gives you revelation of your Father. So don't worry about that. Just yield to Him with a quiet heart. Take time. Take time. Be still. Rest. Relax. Don't... Guys... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share this, and I know I've seen stuff on Facebook about this stuff, but, and if you're joking, it's fine. But don't sit in your house and go, I'm going crazy. Stop saying that. Stop it. You're, people say, what are you saying? I'm just going to all of a sudden wake up crazy. Probably not, but you're making it harder on yourself than you need to. Be still. Moms, dads, don't say... My kids are driving me crazy. Don't let your kids drive. <laughs> okay? Don't let your kids drive. All right? I know we say these things, and I, I'm not trying to condemn anybody. I know we say them because we're used to the conversation. You don't really mean it, but I'm telling you, don't do that. Don't allow those things in. Joy, patience, stillness. Stillness. Now, I want to do this right now. Uh, wherever you're at, if you want to bow your heads and close your eyes, I just want to give an altar call right now. And this, you say, well, nobody can see anybody here. Well, I don't know that. I mean, as far as where you're at, but it does give you an opportunity to be reverent before the Lord. If you've never given your heart to the Lord and you need to, I invite you to do it now. I'm just going to read a couple of verses and then we'll be done. Romans 3.10 says, there is none righteous, no, not one. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We all fall short of the standard of God. But we realize in Romans 5.8 that God demonstrates His own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 10.9 says this, that if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God raised Him from the dead, we will be saved. And then Romans 10, 13 says this, whoever calls 
on the name of the Lord will be saved. You will receive the gift of righteousness. So whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Jesus said this. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those that are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. So if you're watching today and you've never received the Lord, this is the acceptable year. You say, what do I get when I receive Jesus? I just get to go to heaven when I die. Well, that's a wonderful part. And if all that, if that was all there was, it would be worth it, to be honest with you. But God has an answer for every area of your life as you follow him. The spirit of the Lord will come to you. And, and uh, as we just read, it'll, it, it, you'll have the gospel with you for poor. In other words, God will bless you. You'll have healing for, for your broken heart. You'll have liberty. You'll have sight for your blindness. You'll have freedom. And you'll be one with the Father. There's so many good promises. So if that's you, wherever you're at, I don't care if you've been backslidden or you've known the Lord at one time, but you need to come back to Him. Or if you've never received the Lord, let's pray right now. I'm going to pray with you. And you can repeat after me. Just say this. Say, Father God, I come before you in the name of Jesus. Lord, I confess that I am a sinner. That I've walked away from you. Or maybe I never knew you. But right now, your spirit is dealing with my heart. And I want to open up and allow Christ in. So I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Holy Spirit, make me new. Give me resurrection life in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with us, you're a child of God, so welcome to the family. Uh, if you did pray that prayer with us, we would love to hear from you. I know many times people do, and then they never send us any information on it. Um, but wherever you're at, whatever you have going on in your life, take time right now. Either message us on, uh, on Facebook or under the live feed or email us at ffcbillings at gmail.com. Um, and message us. Let us know that you got saved. You can go to our website, faithfamilybillings.com. You can push the contact button. If you let us know you gave your life to the Lord and you give us your address and your contact information, we will get in touch with you and we will send you a new believers packet that we have with information about what just took place. Whether you've rededicated your life or you're born again for the first time. And then we'll also let you know that once we're out of quarantine, we do have a new believers class that's done by uh, a minister in our church. And he will, uh, him and his wife will be, be glad once we can get back together again to start discipling you in your new relationship with the Lord. We love you guys. We bless you. Remember, uh, connect with us on Flocknote. Connect with us on the website. Connect with us. Continue to connect with us on Facebook. We bless you and we'll be back. Uh, Wednesday night for Bible study uh, at 7 p.m. Please be with us. God bless. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. 
If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.